Hey, Mom Spaghetti listeners, I featured much of Duo's music to date in episode 27, Strength in Numbers, and I'm playing his most recent hit, Hurricane, under me now. A rising pop star currently in Connecticut, Duo set aside some time to interview for the pod. I snuck a decent amount of snippets from our conversation into episode 27, and since you're already here, you know this is the full interview. It was great getting to know the man behind the pop bangers, and Duo mentioned there's more to come soon, notably some remixes of the songs we already love. Here's the full interview with rising star Duo. Duo, what's going on? Welcome to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. How's it going? It's uh, pretty cool over here. I'm just home hanging out with my dog. Her name's Red, and she's excited to be. What kind of dog is she? She's a Cavapoo. She is half King Charles Cavalier Spaniel and half Poodle. I might have to ask her a picture of her, put her up on the story after I... Yeah, she's, she's a cutie. <laughs> she looks like a, um, a teddy bear. If there was like a teddy bear dog, it would be her. She's got that soft, fluffy poodle hair and she's like super sweet. But she's got like a little King Cavalier uh, body and she's like the nicest dog I've ever met. And that, she's not even my first dog, so... I, I say that, ask. like... <laughs> Did you grow up with a dog? Yeah, I actually, um, she's my third dog. I've, I had one dog, like a childhood dog, who, his name is Bailey. He was alive for about 10 years, and then he passed away. And then I had my favorite dog, which is really kind of, not to rank them, but my dog that I had, her name was Dora. She was amazing. I got her as a puppy, and she was a little chihuahua. She was black and tan. She was just, like, my favorite thing in the universe. Sadly, last year, she got sprayed by a skunk and ended up running away, and then we weren't able to find her. But we looked everywhere and hired dog trackers, the whole nine, and tried to find her and couldn't find a corpse, couldn't find anything. Uh, kind of think that wow. there's a chance that she's still out there and somebody took her, it feels like. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it sucks. But I was able to get Red out of it, which is a really huge bonus. She was being taken care of by a dog trainer who works with a lot of high-profile clients. Right now, he's working with some people that I can't really discuss, but if you watch television, like popular shows like HBO and things like that, he's working with some pretty cool clients. And essentially, one of his clients in New York City was their first dog, and they really thought that they wouldn't have to do much to take care of a puppy. They found out that you have to train them and you have to do, like, you have to be on a consistent regimen with them. And so they decided they didn't want her. And he had this dog and he's like, well, it needs to find a home. Right. So he trained her and everything. And she's the sweetest dog. I can't believe anybody would get rid of her. I mean, she's amazing. But I think they just, um, the person who got rid of her just didn't understand what taking care of an animal is going to be like. And I already had a dog, so I knew exactly what was going to happen. So it's been amazing. Well, you said high profile HBO people. I know my listeners are going to be wondering if you just somehow inherited Jon Snow's direwolf. Uh, that would be awesome. Um, no, no. Um, <laughs> it, it's The only thing I will say, this HBO star is is not male. That's all I'll say. I'm not going to say anything else. All right, perfect. You've now done 50% for us. Appreciate it. Well, then that leads to my first question, which is, does Dora or Red have a song written about them yet? They don't. Uh, Red doesn't have a song written about her, but she could. And Dora, I have actually have written things about her, but nothing that's out yet. It's, it's a little too personal. I like writing about myself, my personal experiences. Like Midnight Dreams is a really cool song that I wrote around personal experiences that I've had. And Hurricane is very personal. But there's a little bit more generalized, whereas writing directly about something that you lost is... It's just very raw, and it's still, it hasn't been that long. It's been about a year since I lost Dora, so I'm sure that I'll write material on it, but I just don't know if now is the time for me to put it out where I'm still feeling sort of uh, sad about it, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I'm a dog person myself, and we, my family, just lost our golden retriever who was oh, no. years old a few months back. So I empathize with your uh, loss. And I do want to talk about the background behind Midnight Dreams and Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Before we get to that, I know we jumped right into things duo. So I wanted to find out duo has an interesting spelling, D-U-E-X-O. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get an understanding from you where you came up with that name, how that clicked for you, how long you've been going by duo. If you can just talk a little bit about that so I can get an understanding and the listeners too. Yeah, I have been duo now since I think it's going to be three years. I think the anniversary is like three years now that I've been duo. 
Honestly, I've always liked the name Duo, and I wanted to spell it D-U-O. Uh, however, I also wanted a name that I could use and get social media, a website for, and I wanted to be different and unique and sort of something that's not already existing in the world that you can Google and have 200 million search results for. I wanted it to be something that was unique, and I liked the way that Duo sounded, and I'm like, how can I spell this in an interesting way? I was like, oh, like, what if I add an X, but it'll be silent, because I've seen other times where there's silent letters and names and words. So, yeah, I just decided, let's try this. And I, I looked it up, and nobody else sort of had anything like it. And there wasn't, I don't think there was anything in, like, the English language or any, like, company or person that was using it. So when you do Google my name, I come up first. It's a musical artist that has uh, my songs and Google is able to pull up all my data, my website, my Instagram, all my socials. So uh, that was one of the reasons why I decided to go with the spelling of Duo and how I spelled it. Congrats on monopolizing that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The whole project, though, came about from me just getting tired of of not making music. So I had been making music previously in bands, and then I had tried to do some solo stuff. And I was like, it's just really time to be serious about this. I got to double down again and just focus on it. Because after I had been in um, a couple bands, and we had got some pretty big traction and my last band, and we were in talks with Interscope. And basically, we ended up not getting signed, and things sort of fell through. And I was like, I'm going to take a break from music because... It was just a little depressing and aggravating because you're like, crap, I feel like I'm good, but like, am I good enough? And I took an extended hiatus. And when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it on my own. I love being in groups, but having the freedom and the creative control to just do whatever you want was really exciting and enticing. So I'm like, okay, cool. I contacted my buddy, Christian Metis, who is a phenomenal producer or songwriter. He did the, not the latest Pink album, because Pink just came out with a new album, but the previous one that came out like a year, year and a half ago. Yep. He co-wrote and produced a song on that. He has a song, I think it's still on Billboard, Alt-Rock Charts. His former roommate is the lead singer of the band Lovely the Band, and they have a song called Broken. Yep, I know that one. Which is pretty awesome. Oh, so he worked on that. Yeah, so I think he played drums, I'm not 100% sure, but um, yeah, he's definitely a part of, of that and like amazing friends with Mitchie and the rest of Lovely the Band. Fun fact, they were actually supposed to be called Crybaby. That was the original band name. I remember when they were coming up with band names and I, I had heard like, this is, I don't know if he wants me to spill this, but I'll just tell it. I'm not going to really get in trouble for it. I heard a lot of the content that he was working on before it's out. So I heard like the pink stuff before the album dropped. I heard the uh, Lovely the Band stuff before they released their music. And I think Crybaby was their original name, but then they ended up not going with that, I think for legal reasons, which I still thought that was like the coolest band name. But yeah, like I decided to work with Christian in New York City. He was living there at the time in Brooklyn. He has since moved to Los Angeles. And I'm like, let's do an EP. So I wrote four or five songs and recorded them. Midnight Dreams was one of them. Young Forever was another one. Hurricane was in that EP, but it was a very, very different version. And I just kind of wanted to take a stab at different types of pop songs. I didn't necessarily have a fully realized idea of what Duo was going to be. This was like, let's write an EP that's just like an ode to pop. I'll do different styles and different songs. So Young Forever is more inspired by artists like Bastille and that alt-rock vibe. I think Midnight Dreams, honestly, I had Bieber in mind, Justin Bieber, and some more electronic dance music. We went in the studio and we pumped these tracks out. And I was actually really impressed that Christian does some really amazing work. We got him to some interesting places. And I think Midnight Dreams was the last song that we worked on and the first song that I released. It was the only song that I wasn't super invested in. Like it was based on real life events, but I didn't have a lot of emotional baggage attached to it. It's just really fun and light. It was the first song that I released, and I'm like, I'll just throw this out into the world. I'll see if anybody likes it. No one's going to listen to this song, but, you know, I'm going to start building a fan base. I'm going to start getting out there, and I put it up on all stores, and within less than a month, it got picked up on a Spotify playlist, and I was getting, like, thousands and thousands of plays a day, and I'm just like, what's going on? People really dig this, apparently, and it sort of solidified my sound. I was able to get my manager after that, and he had worked with a bunch of EDM artists and other people that have similar sounds. Because the reception was so good for that record, we decided, hey, let's do some more stuff in that vein. And I really enjoy it. 
I enjoy all pop music. It's probably my favorite genre, but I listen to every type of music. Everybody says that, but I guess for me, it's definitely the case. And yeah, I just kept going at it and trying to release new music. We have a couple of cool things that are slated for release very soon. I just solidified this past week that we're having some reckless remixes that are going to drop on the 21st of this month, the 21st of June. Are you allowed to speak on who is dropping remixes? Yeah, so two people that I know. One artist out of Chicago, his name is Sleep Meld, one word, the word Sleep and Meld, and he is doing a really cool, like, uh, kind of ambient remix. And then a producer that I worked with out of uh, the Netherlands named uh, D. Felic, and he is doing the second remix on the release. That is going to be a little bit more of like an ode to 90s house and like early 2000s house is sort of the vibe he's got going on there. So it's a fun little release. It's got two remixes. Initially, it was planned as a larger remix EP. I also have some Hurricane remixes that I'm really excited about and a Midnight Dream remix. There's a few of those, and those are going to come out very soon, too. We're probably going to see those the first couple weeks of July. I'm not 100% sure yet, but that just got really big. I hit eight songs on this little EP, and I'm like, this is too much, so let's split it up. So we have Reckless coming out first, and then we're going to do Hurricane. And I really like the Reckless stuff. It's one of my favorite songs I've written, but I think the Hurricane remixes are going to be really exciting. Not only do I have remixes, but I have the original demo. So like I was saying before, Hurricane sort of evolved over the year since it was originally written. Yeah, so is it more, I don't want to say acoustic, because I'm sure there's some production, but is it a little bit more stripped down? Um, it's more full band, so it's a little bit slower. It's got more instrumentation, like there's really cool guitars and keys, it's just... It was the original vision that I had for the song. It was very atmospheric, very big. I wanted to sound like a wall of sound because it was called Hurricane. It has some really cool ambient noises, some like thunder, lightning, rain. I mean, not really lightning because you can't see it, but uh, <laughs> but it has some cool uh, like audio effects and it's a little bit more organic. I'll say that. Okay. A little bit less electronic. Yeah, that's that's sort of I guess what I was going for. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I actually literally love both versions, but I wanted to I wanted to fit more of like the vibe that I, I currently have and I really liked what we were able to do with the current version of Reckless. Okay. So I wanted to get an understanding and maybe for the listeners as well, if you're comfortable talking about the timeline, because I know you said you were in some bands and took a hiatus for a few years, and then it looks like some of the stuff you've started to release was in twenty seventeen around that time. Yeah. Was it around 2014 or 15 that you started the hiatus? And then was there an event that brought you back into music? Uh, I think it was like 2013, 2014 when I stopped creating music. I guess I was I was still writing stuff. Of course. But I wasn't thinking about producing it and releasing it and having other people listen to it. It wasn't really like an event that caused me to decide to get back into music. I think it was just I was tired of what I was doing. I was just going to work every day and I didn't feel fulfilled. And I'm like, I got to get back in music. Music is definitely my passion. Why did I just forget about it for so long? And I think I was seeing a lot of my friends do some really awesome and interesting things. My friend Christian, he was getting more and more popular. He had worked on, I think that previous year, he worked on the Hilary Duff album, her last album. Wow. So how'd you meet Christian? I met him through mutual friends. One of my friends, Lars Principato, who is a phenomenal producer and songwriter, I think he introduced me to Christian like forever ago, like 2010, maybe. So I've known Christian for a very long time. Lars is, like I said, an incredible guy. He is a writer and producer as well. And he was working with Christian at the time. This is before he branched off and started doing his own production. Um, now, I mean, he's worked on Dua Lipa's IDGAF. He co-wrote that and co-produced wow. it. I really like that one. Yeah, it's one of the most streamed songs on Spotify ever. He did that. He's worked with Kiara. Uh, him and Christian, I think, worked on that together, like some of the newer Kiara stuff. He wrote Dua Americana. He co-wrote that and co-produced that with Halsey. He's an incredible guy. I've known him since he was in high school. He was doing some cool stuff. Christian was doing some cool stuff. Some of my other friends, Cameron Walker, he also introduced me to Christian. He is uh, in the band called Twin XL. They're kind of new. They just got signed, I think, to uh, Interscope or Sony. But they were all doing some really cool things. And I was just, it was so almost like FOMO that brought me back into it. 
seeing all these guys that I knew sort of live their dream and get to really exciting places and knowing that like, hey, I can do this too. Like I... I'm just as good. Absolutely. Not to belittle any of their work because I think they're all like phenomenal people who do incredible work, but sometimes seeing your friends succeed. It motivates you. It, it motivates you. Yeah. It drives you. You're like, well, like I want to do that too. Like, why, why can't I? So, uh, yeah, that, I think that was probably the biggest catalyst for me was just having some friends that were able to find success. And that was pretty neat. Sure. And I think that's one of the really cool things about the music industry as a whole is as you start to peel back the layers, you know, the casual fan might say, oh, Halsey or oh, Dua Lipa, I know who they are. But as you start to peel back the layers and look at who the producers are and who is writing the songs, it's wild that everyone runs in these circles and it feels like everyone knows each other. Like I talked to a guy last week, Eminate, and he worked with John Bellion and John Bellion's the one who wrote the hook for Rihanna and Eminem's The Monster. So it's just funny. The more you talk to everyone, the more it seems like everyone knows each other. So it's really cool that that is something that you're involved in and also that that served as a motivator for you duo as opposed to something that made you jealous. Yeah, I think jealousy doesn't really benefit you in this career field. A lot of people see other people succeed and they get upset and they think, well, they've taken my spot, my place. And I think it's the exact opposite. Like you want your friends to succeed. And the more that they do well, the more likely you're going to do well because uh, you're, you're in their corner and they're in your corner, hopefully. So I think the best thing you can do is champion your friends, champion other artists. I definitely like to do this. People who are smaller than me or even people who are bigger than me, I still will promote and talk about and let people hear because I do it for the love of music. Like I love music and I think that most people, probably your listeners, Keith, they probably love music too, I'm hoping. They definitely do. They wouldn't be listening if they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. It's all for the love of music. So I think the more that you can um, spread good music around, the better everyone's going to be. That's definitely my take on that. Well, this is the perfect idiom for this, which is that's music to my ears (laughs) because that's the tagline of Mom Spaghetti. We're trying to put all these artists on and we're trying to just spread good music. And so the tagline is everyone eats because we're trying to make sure that everyone gets their due. And as far as not being jealous, I think the music industry, while I'm sure on the surface there can be some superficiality and things like that, it really... As a listener and a lover of music, I feel like there is so much music and there's so many ways to consume music now that there's space for everyone and everyone's sound, even if there are some overlaps, which does make it cool in its own right, everyone still has their own sound. So I know you say that some of your songs might sound like Bieber or something like that, but you still have your own lane. And I think it's really cool to watch and listen to artists like you find that niche and really perfect it. I really enjoy it. Thank you, Keith. I would say that a lot of times I just get inspiration from other things. I wasn't trying to emulate Bieber, but I was like, oh, wow, I like what Bieber and like Skrillex were doing on Sorry. And um, I forget the producer that produced What Do You Mean? But I really liked those sounds, the tropical vibe that was going on when I heard that album. And I was like, hmm, I can do something like this. I like this sound, I like this feel. Let me take a stab at it and do my own version and make it my own. And that's what I did. It just was like, hey, this is cool. I want to try my hand at it. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think the only way you really get inspired is by listening to other great pieces of work. And you just got to do your best job at not copying it, but really (laughs) making whatever you do your own and uh, letting it just uh, move you forward, you know? Yeah, well, I love that you brought up Justin Bieber and that album, Sorry. Or no, I think it was Purpose. Purpose was the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I view that as one of, if not the most influential albums of the decade, especially in the pop genre, because it seemed like that was the perfection. Like, we'd been bubbling up towards it for so long, and then that was the perfection of fusing pop and electronic music. Yeah. And it really just felt like that brought it to the forefront. And it's here to stay. As far as I'm concerned, I love it, especially in a song like Hurricane. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of electronics going on and I really enjoy that sound. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the producers that you have worked with. And Mm -hmm. when I was listening to your music, I was wondering, Duo, if you produce any of it yourself. And if so, or even if not, how do you go about creating a song? 
What do you start with? Do you find that you want to sit down with a producer first? Or do you start with a melody and some lyrics and a general idea in your head? Or does it differ for every song? So, Keith, it differs for every song. I think I do co-produce most of my content. I don't have a song yet that's done 100% by me. I do like to collab with a lot of people, especially people who I think are slightly better skilled than I am. But I generally will start with a melody in my head or maybe like a lyric that I wrote down. Or sometimes I'll just be playing around and I'll make a a bare bones track and then I'll write something to that. And then usually uh, once I have something that I think is going to be solid and a really cool skeleton of a song, then I will reach out to another producer that I know and say, hey, what do you think about this? Is this something that we want to work on together? Should we evolve it and make it grow? And usually they're like, yeah, this is great. Let's go with it and see where it takes us. Honestly, um, Hurricane, I worked on with so many different people, but one of the main collaborators is my friend. His name is Strive. He has done a really awesome remix of uh, some Ed Sheeran stuff, if you want to check him out. He did some cool things with it, and I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. And then another friend of mine, Kummerspeck, or Kummerspeck, it's like a German word, his DJ name. He's an amazing producer and mix engineer out of LA. He's worked with some like, incredible acts. Like He did a lot of, I think, the last RuPaul album. He was actually on that the show, RuPaul's Drag Race. He ended up being on the show as a producer. He was helping some of the contestants oh, wow. write some music. And he's worked with Bozzy. They've done some really like interesting stuff together that I've heard. And he's a really cool guy. I sent what me and my friend Strive had done. And what he sent back blew me away. It wasn't even drastically changed. It was tweaked just a little bit. But I was like, wow, I can't believe like what you were able to bring to the table. Just made it come alive. Like The melody was done. The vocals were all done. The track was basically complete. It was just these little finishing touches that brought it to life and brought it to where you guys hear it today. So yeah, I love collaborating with people, but I usually start by myself unless I'm working with a direct collaboration with another producer who has a track or an idea that happens as well. That usually is featured content though. Well, I'll just be the featured artist. Right. That's like the song Aaron X, I think. Yeah, there's that song. There's a couple other ones that are sort of in the works that aren't out yet. But usually those producers where it's featured, they'll have either their track almost completely done or they will have the track and a melody that they have done and they just want me to sing it or they want like minor tweaks here and there. Because sometimes you do have producers who like to create their own music, but they're not singers and they want a singer or um, they have a certain idea and they want a particular sound or voice on their songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm always down for anything when it comes to creating new music. One of the things that I think is really cool in Hurricane is towards the end of the hook, there's some really heavy, I can't tell if it's vocal layering or a vocoder that's thrown in there. That's one of the really cool sounds that they did with your voice, whether that was you or the German producer out of L.A. That was one of the highlights for me in Hurricane. Yeah, I think actually that was just me playing around with the vocals that wasn't in the original song. I was just playing around with the mix that my French Drive had worked on. And I was like, he had gotten to a cool place. And then I was playing with it. And I'm like, okay, what can I do with it here production-wise? That'll be interesting and fun. Yeah, that was just one of those things where it's probably like, I don't know, 1 a.m. and I'm just on my computer trying to make it come alive and seeing what I can do. A lot of times I'll listen to a song over and over and over again. You never know when the right thing's going to pop in your head. A lot of times I'll try different things. So I might try it 20 different ways. And then I pick the way that I think is going to be the best sounding. And it just, when you hear it, you hear it. Like it usually will click. You're like, oh, wow, that's the one. That's what I want to go with. And I think that's what happened there. So just, I did like three or four, I think with that piece at the end there. And when I finally found it, I'm like, this is awesome. Let me see what everyone else thinks. And everyone I let listen to was like, yeah, I really like what you did there. So it came alive. Well, it's a combination of trust your instincts and when you know, you know. Yeah. I know you've collaborated with a few of your friends who are producers, and then they've put you in touch with other producers. Hurricane is starting to see a lot of success. Yeah. Some of the other songs as well. If they rise up to the attention of other people, or sorry, when they rise up to the attention of other people, who is your dream collaboration where you think to yourself, if I was able to collaborate with this artist, I would just be so humbled and think to myself, wow, I've made it. 
That's so hard because there's so many people that I love. <laughs> I know. I mean, my number one producer that I would want to work with is Max Martin, who is literally like the king oh, yeah. of he pop. Runs, he runs the pop world. I am very yeah. familiar with that. <laughs> He's written Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time, to The Weekends, I Can't Feel My Face, Sync, Backstreet Taylor Boys. Swift, all of them. Kelly Clarkson, Katy Perry, you name it. He's done it. He would be my, my, I would die. Like if I ever worked with <laughs> Max Martin, I'd just be like, ugh, ugh. You get that email but... in your inbox. You're like, wait, let me, let me shut down my this computer and restart it. I want to make sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be, uh, I would be able to die and, and be happy. Just be content. He would be my, probably my number one producer. As far as other artists that I'd love to work with right now, I think that sort of changes day to day in terms of people I think are really talented and I hear their stuff and I'm like, this is pretty sweet. I'd love to do something with them. Right now, I really, really enjoy Carly Rae Jepsen. Her stuff, I've been a big fan of her ever since I heard Call Me Maybe. That would be incredible if I was able to work with somebody like her. Of course, we have Halsey. I think, again, another amazing female singer who I think doing a collab with her would just blow my mind. Off the top of my head, I think Cheat Codes. They're an EDM act that I'm really, oh, really yeah. into. Cheat Codes would be cool. I've been a big fan of them since the early days, and I think they're sort of the perfect combination between pop and electronic dance music, and they love to collaborate with other people. They do a ton of really cool stuff that I dig. So I think, realistically, that that's like a, a very realistic collab that I would love to see happen. I would love to see it happen, too, just knowing their music and your music. I would definitely be interested to hear that. I know we skirted around the topic a little bit earlier. You said that Hurricane had some personal backstory. If you're comfortable talking about it, I wanted to find out what the inspiration was for Hurricane. Hurricane, it's not so much a story as it is a feeling and a set of emotions towards certain people. It was written about some of my family members who are sometimes not the best people on the planet and they can aggravate you and make you angry and it's just letting all of that frustration out knowing that there's people who should have your back but sometimes they do things to hurt you for their own gain and that's sort of where hurricane came from it was just feeling frustrated and knowing that you can't always get away from somebody because sometimes the problems they cause are all encompassing and there's no way to escape it. It's just like a hurricane. Like when you're in the middle of a hurricane, there, there's no like running away from it. It's going to happen and you just got to weather the storm. And that's sort of nice. where that came from. That makes sense. And as far as feeling frustrated by family, I don't think there are any listeners of Bomb Spaghetti who <laughs> won't resonate with that. But I know that they like the song too. I also remember you said that Midnight Dreams was focused on a feeling as well, or maybe a little bit of a backstory. Can you share some insight on that one for the audience as well? Yeah. Midnight Dreams was more of, took inspiration from just like a tropical beach vacation that I ended up taking a couple years ago to Mexico, which is really cool. Went to Cancun, had a fun time, and it was one of those things where you're out late night and you're partying and you don't want to wake up early in the morning because you had too much to drink the night before, but you just you don't want the fun to end. You, you just don't want the experience that you're having to stop. That's where that one evolved from was just a good times with friends and just having fun and kicking back and relaxing. I really like that song because of that, because it reminds me of those fun times I was able to have. That's one of my favorite things about music is it feels unparalleled in how it feels unparalleled in its ability to trap a moment in time. And there are so many songs that I just connect with a feeling that I had with a certain event or a certain period of time, if it was longer than the event itself. There are so many songs that just link those in my mind. And it's really cool to be able to listen to a song. And even though there's a wave of nostalgia that comes with it, have that recollection just come back to me and remember, oh, I was listening to this song all of summer 2012 or whatever it was. And there's nothing other than music in my life, at least that I can think of off the top of my head, that can give me that feeling of almost being back in that setting. I know exactly what you mean. It's almost like time travel. Like the moment you hear, you're like, oh, like that's that song. And it just brings you back to when you were a kid or to a certain event. And your brain just floods you with those hopefully good memories. And <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> sometimes it could be the exact opposite. 
But yeah, I think there's almost nothing like music that can do that. Like even looking at photos or watching a show, that's one thing. But once you when you hear a song that you had this connection to, it just brings you right back. It's like the day that you first heard it, you know, or that had that huge impact on you. Right. But even when you talk about hopefully it's a good memory and a good time that you're thinking back to, I even associate some music with things like breakups or tough family times. And even those songs, like music was what got me through those times. And so (laughs) even though the time itself was difficult, the music has such a special place in my heart because it's associated with being a crutch and helping me get through those. But on a more positive... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was going to say for sure, for sure. There's definitely, like, I had some My Chemical Romance and uh, a very emo phase at one point in my life. I, I think a lot of us did. <laughs> yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, there's times where I just, I had, like, this one album on repeat. I was, like, brooding and everything was, <laughs> seemed darker than it actually was. Those albums definitely helped me get through those tough times. Yeah, I had one, it was something corporate. That was around mm-hmm. the time where I was listening to My Chemical Romance and things like that. That was my slightly emo phase. But I definitely nice. listened to, I think that album was called Helena or something. Yeah. And I definitely listened to that. Yeah, like uh, I was listening to a lot of My Chemical Romance. I was really into Fall Out Boy. Ooh, Fun Fall Out Boy was so good when they first came out. I love Fall Out Boy. Fun fact, I made a Fall Out Boy music video. That's like a, a little, I guess, trivia for you, uh, your <laughs> listeners. Uh, if you want to check out Thanks for the Memories, or I'm sorry, not that song. I like that song, but not that one. With no vowels. Yes. It's from that album, but... Was it the one that was I'm Not a Lawyer or something like that? I really like that one, but that one was shot in Africa. The Take Over, The Breaks Over from Fall Out Boy's 2007 album, Infinity on High. And I was just a wee teenager. Um, I was part of the Fall Out Boy fan club. And they asked people if they wanted to be in a video. And I was like, yeah, why not? We shot a really cool video in New York City, in uh, Brooklyn at the time. Jay-Z was there. Ashley Simpson was there. And she used to be married to Pete Wentz. That was pretty cool. I met some cool celebrities. One of the Naked Brothers band, this is a throwback, kind of dating myself now. Wow. One of the guys from the Naked Brothers band was also there. Uh, now he's like an actor. He was in like Jumanji and stuff. And uh, Heredity, that for a movie, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was, that was a really awesome experience. But if anybody wants to go and see me looking super emo, <laughs> <laughs> I am How in that video. Come? Well, that's a good point that, you know, I think we all, no matter how much we grow, we always have the things that we fall back on. And it seems like we've always been the people who we were destined to become. And so, of course, you were really into music, whatever that was 12 years ago. So I was going to ask Duo if you remember the first song that you ever wrote. The first song that I ever wrote? I know the first song that I wrote without anybody's input by myself, and that one was called, I don't even know if I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that one was called Lies in Lipstick, and it was super cringy. (laughs) Well, it has to start somewhere, right? Yeah, it was, I want to say it was sort of the end of uh, like emo and pop punk, and that was getting really popular. It was probably like 2010, 2009. I had written it by myself on GarageBand on my Mac. It was cool and it was fun. I was like, oh, cool, I can write music on my computer. And I still have it on my iTunes, but it's definitely vastly different <laughs> from what I'm doing now. And you can tell the production quality is, is, is not where it's at today. But I do think that it was catchy. It was a cute little song that I wrote. It was two or three minutes, very uh, reminiscent of Hello, Goodbye, Owl City, just cool, fun computer music. Is that the one that we're going to wind up sending to Max Martin? Yeah, that... <laughs> yeah. Lies and lipstick. <laughs> I would definitely die if I heard that. He'd just be like, what is wrong with this person? Like, why am I listening to this? This sounds like some 15-year-old kid in his bedroom making junk. You'd be like, how do you know? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> but yeah, writing music is definitely a process, and you don't get good at it overnight. So it's one of those things where you have to write a ton of okay songs or bad songs, or just songs that aren't there yet until you can hone your craft and continue to write and let people listen to your stuff and critique it. I think one of the best things you can do is ask for people to give you genuine feedback on your, your work. That's the only way you're going to get better. If people just say, hey, I like it or I love it without giving you any sort of critique or how you can improve, 
even if you disagree with what they're saying, it's just always great to see what they think because there's probably a reason why they said it and it's always something to think about the next time that you're working on either that same project or the next project that you, you move on to. Sure. I think that goes for all types of art and really everything that we put exactly. out in the world. I mean, I know the first few recordings of the podcast I sent to a lot of people and asked for their feedback and this coming up week is episode 26 and then the one that you'll be on is episode 27 so it has come a long way it definitely takes the time and the effort to rework and hone the craft like you said definitely yeah i don't know who said this but i read something the other day and it's like your first song's gonna suck your first book's gonna suck your first podcast is gonna suck your first movie's gonna suck the first time you try something, you're probably not going to be a master at it unless you are like a virtuoso and you're Mozart and you can, you're like three years old and you're playing concertos and stuff. That's unlikely for the majority, for 99.9% of people. Most people are going to have growing pains. You're going to learn. You're going to get better at what you do. And I think the advice that I would give to somebody who's starting off or someone who wants to do any sort of creative endeavor is to just keep at it. It takes time. You're not going to be amazing when you first start off, but don't let that stop you. There are people who I used to make fun of. This is karma for you. I remember listening to Black Bear, who wasn't called Black Bear then, but he... Huh. Yeah, he was, he was going out as his real name, Matt Musto. I remember listening to him on pure volume, making like the cringiest emo music. He had this song called Douchebag, where he was boxing, and it was just like so cheesy. I remember thinking like, what is going on here? This kid is talented, but this song is just so cringy. Like, it makes me want to cringe listening to it. But I think like, wow, this kid's really good. He just, the music doesn't seem to be there though, but he had the stage presence, he had the look. He had a really cool sound, other than the fact that the song wasn't great. And the next time I hear this kid's name is the fact that he's co-writing with Mike Posner on Justin Bieber's Girlfriend. He wrote that. I heard that song. I'm like, wow, this sounds super familiar. And of course, it sounded like someone else I had heard before because it was someone else I heard before. And now he is blowing up as Black Bear, just killing the game digitally. Also, his other project with Mike Posner, Mansions, is incredible. Yeah. I love I love what they're putting out. IDFC is one of my favorite songs. Oh, my gosh. There. I love that song. I was obsessed with that song for the full year. I can't get enough of it. And it's funny because I remember making fun of this kid, and now he is doing something completely different, but he's grown, you know? Like, he didn't let the, the not-so-great stuff stop him. I've heard him talk about it. He's like, yeah, like what I did was stuff when I was a kid and I wasn't as mature as I am now and I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now. And don't let that stop you. Like you're going to have your growing pains. You're going to mess up. You're going to look silly sometimes. But I think the people who really succeed are those who continue to persevere against all of the struggles that they have and those growing pains that they grow out of. Yeah, definitely. I was listening to Rich White Girls just the other day, which is another great one from that album. Yeah, I do. That, that is such an awesome album. I remember when I heard Wicked for the first time, and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this is Mike Posner, but it's also Black Bear. It's everything I wanted. I thought Mike Posner, he's an incredible writer, an incredible producer, incredible musician. He put out like a really cool album, and it was acoustic. And I had followed him because he had done his uh, Cooler Than Me and some stuff way back in the day. He put out his album. It was acoustic. I listened to it once. I'm like, this is cute. I, had, um, I took a pill in Ibiza. Nothing blew me away. I'm like, these are good songs, but I wish people would hear them. But you're, no one's going to play acoustic songs on the radio. It just doesn't happen. And then there was a remix of I Took a Pill in Ibiza, and it blew up. And next thing you know, he's like, we're doing a remix of every song on the album, and I'm coming out with another album with Black Bear. It was what I was looking for, I think, from Mike was what was Mansions. And I really love that he wasn't afraid to be multifaceted. Like he has his acoustic, um, more traditional stuff that he writes by himself that's really heartfelt and really has like tons of meaning to him. And then he has Mansions, which is a little bit more lighthearted. It's collab with his friends. It's him and his friend Black Bear just doing what they do best and having fun with it. I applaud somebody who's able to just do every aspect of uh, music production, songwriting, you name it. These guys are masters at it, and it's awe-inspiring. Absolutely. And the one remix that I liked from that album, I'm not sure if you know it, but there's a Jordan XL remix of Be As You Are, and that mm -hmm. one is fantastic. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. 
I've listened to every single one <laughs> over and over again. I've had them on my uh, Spotify playlist. I've listened to the album again and again. The I Took a Pill in Ibiza remix, the BJR remix, the In the Arms of a Stranger, uh, Silence. Those are just so good. They're great acoustic. They're great remix. He's just an amazing songwriter. I think if it's a good song, it's a good song. And it's usually hard for a remix producer to mess up a great song like I Took a Pill in Ibiza or a B As You Are. They're just so strong. So it would be really hard for them to make that song not great. But they made it even better, I think. But I love that. You're right. B As You Are is incredible. Well, I'm glad you agree. Thank you, Keith. I just think it has an amazing message, too. Just It's not about changing or conforming to other people's standards. It's just doing you, you know? Right. And I want to somehow maybe corny transition from be as you are and doing what you want to do and all that stuff. I wanted to find out from you duo, especially for the listeners who love Hurricane and Midnight Dreams and Reckless and your other songs, what's next for you? I know you only have a few songs on Spotify and earlier in the conversation you had mentioned an EP that you were working on putting together. Is that something we can look forward to? Is there a target date for that? We will see an EP, like a little remix EP. That will have some really fun, really cool versions of Hurricane. You'll get to see that original Hurricane demo. You're going to hear some awesome remixes of Hurricane that I'm in love with. Uh, You'll hear a new Midnight Dreams remix that sort of flips the song on its head. That's going to come out in July. I don't have an exact date, but it's probably going to be the first couple of weeks. And then I have a bunch of singles that are just in the works that I'm currently working on. Um, I have some really cool stuff with Goldhouse, who is a really awesome producer, um, artist out of Chicago. We have, I think, three songs coming out soon that are done together. Is Goldhouse the one that does that song, The Shit? Yes, that is Goldhouse. I love that song. That's Grant, yeah. He's like an amazing producer. I've been a fan of him forever, and I honestly just hit him up, and I was like, you want to work together? And he heard my stuff, and he's like, yeah, I actually, I like what you've got going on. And so uh, we worked on three songs. Those should be coming out sometime in the summer. I don't have exact release dates, but he did a lot of the production on that, and uh, I did all the vocals and some production. I think people are really going to like those. They are really, I think people will be really receptive to them. They're very fun. They're a really great mix of him and me. I'm probably more excited for these collabs than I have been on any other thing I've worked on. Well, I love everything that I do um, and everything I've released so far. Working with somebody of his caliber just was tons of fun, and I'm really happy with the products that we're going to put out there. Absolutely. Well, I think you're in a really cool position duo where it's like you're on the rise. And so you're tackling these, I don't want to say mini, but you're tackling these milestones along the way. And it would seem that for each milestone that you pass, you think that was amazing. That was so exciting. That was so fun. How am I going to top that? But you're climbing a mountain. You're not just walking along a flat surface. And so I think that as you progress, it gets more exciting. At least that's the hope. Yeah, I agree. So we'll definitely keep an eye out for those tracks with Gold House. As we start to close out, I wanted to find out, Duo, if you had anything you wanted to share with the listeners or just say to the audience who took the time to make it this far into the full interview. Uh, well, they're probably sick of me at this point. No, but, uh, no, it's me they're sick of. They say, I, I listen for the music. That's the reason I listen to Mom's Spaghetti, not for Keith talking. <laughs> I would say thank you for listening. If you haven't checked out my stuff, please go check it out. If you love it, let me know. You can always reach me on Twitter at IamDuo or Instagram at IamDuo. Send me a message if you love it, if you hate it, and you think I should never make any more music. That's fine. Let me know. All (laughs) feedback is welcome. Don't copy me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like thanks to everybody who took the time to listen. And I hope that you like my stuff. And thanks for checking out this podcast. Keith is doing something really fun and special here. Thank you. Thank you. I think that there's not enough people out there promoting newer artists, artists that aren't the biggest of the big, the the A-listers. I think if you love music, then there's so much music out there right now. There's so many like amazing people, so many artists that aren't the biggest, but are putting out some really incredible songs, incredible EPs. And I think that they don't get enough attention. So it's an amazing opportunity anytime somebody is willing to give me any attention. Like I'm just extremely grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to speak to that for just one second to you, Duo, and also, like I said, anyone who's made it this far in the interview, 
I always say at the end of every episode, the tagline, which is everyone eats. And it really is for me a communal aspect where I look at you guys as the artists working on honing your craft and building up that following. And I just think it's so exciting. It's such an exciting time for music with the streaming platforms and so many ways to get music and put music out. It's so exciting for us as the listeners and the fans to not just follow you guys and watch you rise up and get a bigger following, but it's also with the internet, it makes it feel like we're a part of it with you. And so that's one of the things that I really aim to do with Mom's Spaghetti is, you know, I always say if I featured an artist back in episode two, guys, this artist is blowing up. This artist is someone that we featured four times. We know this artist. We feel like we're growing with them. So, you know, I appreciate you taking the time, but it really is for me, not just about me. It's about all of us because music is the great connector, right? It's what brings us all together. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'll transition that into one of my favorite things to talk with artists about is we idolize you guys as musicians, the one taking the time and putting in the time to make this music that we listen to all day, every day. And then we want to find out what makes you like us or what makes us like you. We want to know what you guys are listening to, what shows you're watching, and things like that. So I always end the interview with the signature question of Mom's Spaghetti, which is, let's say a family member bought you a vinyl record player, and along with it, $250 or $300, whatever the amount of money is that would be necessary to purchase the first five vinyl records for your collection. Duo, I wanted to find out from you, let's say this situation becomes a reality, what are the first five vinyl records and albums that you're going to purchase to start your collection? Well, I have a vinyl collection already. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I would say there's some must-have albums that like, I have that I couldn't live without. So Fleetwood Mac's Rumors is incredible. I think it's one of the best albums of any genre ever to be released, especially in the 70s. It's just an incredible, incredible piece of music by an incredible group of people. And I own that on vinyl. It's a masterpiece. But I have like extremely diverse taste. So um, another record that I love is Kavinsky. He is a really cool French DJ. Um, if you like Daft Punk, if you like Synthwave, I have his debut full-length album Outrun on vinyl. It is just dripping with 80s nostalgia. The cover is him in a Letterman jacket uh, with this cherry red Ferrari Testarossa, just <laughs> with this like amazing mood lighting. It's incredible. Uh, if you love electronic music, if you love anything 80s inspired, that's just one of the uh, crown jewels of my collection. I would have to say Fall Out Boy. Their first album, Take This to Your Grave. They have that on vinyl. Just one of my favorite bands growing up. I just remember being a kid and just really loving all the stuff that they were doing and really connecting with it emotionally. I had to get that on vinyl. When Fall Out Boy first came out, they were, it was so weird because they weren't that different, but his voice is so unique and they're just, they're so, I don't know, they somehow fit that punk pop lane and also... I think like Pete's lyrics were so different and they have these crazy song titles. Like, yes, that was what the really made put them out. Thanks for the memories is a really short one, but our lawyer made us change the name of the song so we wouldn't get sued. Yep. Like, what is going on? Like, these are like really, really crazy. All of their songs for a long time were just these were like sentences. And I think that's one of the things that stood out. I'm like, who are these guys with these sentence long song titles? They don't have words like love me or fire or something really simple like hurricane. It's like, my name is Bob and welcome to the show. Like, just ridiculous. That's not an actual song title, but there's just these crazy crazy things that they were doing and as a young kid it, it sort of really drew my attention and it really connected with them and that's why that's one of those albums that means a lot to me another one that i don't have yet but i really 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 want is the debut album from larue their debut self-titled album was super inspiring to me it was the last word in in late night or late aughts synth pop i think it came out in 2008 or 2009 is that the one with bulletproof Yes. Okay. Yes. I remember hearing Bulletproof. I downloaded it. I used to, I mean, I love iTunes. I love music. I would always download the free song of the week. They used to give you a free song every week. I didn't have to ask my parents for money or anything and like get some <laughs> iTunes allowance. And I would download the free song and that was the free song in one week. And it was 
it wasn't popular and it wasn't on the radio yet. Like nobody was listening to it and I heard it and I would listen to the freestyling, even if I didn't like it, even if it was like a genre that I was never going to listen to again. I would listen to it once to see it if it like was the good. the origin was... of New Music Friday. Exactly. <laughs> and I remember listening to this and was like, what is this? This is like so different. And I hadn't really listened to a ton of electronic music. The lead singer is British, L. She's very different and unique. She has this really cool look. And I remember thinking, what's going on here? This is so different. I want to hear more of this. And I listened to this whole album and it just blew me away. I was like, wow, this is just so good. It's one of those albums, like the other albums that I named, that you want to sit down and listen to the entire thing. While you can listen to the singles, you can listen to Fleetwood Mac's Dreams anytime or Go Your Own Way. You can sit down and listen to the album and not have to skip a song. And I think those are really special albums when you want to listen to the entire thing and you feel uh, what the artist is feeling. It brings you back to these special moments in your life and there's no experience like it. And those are definitely my favorite kind of albums. Okay, so we've got four. We've got Fleetwood Mac, Kavinsky, Fallout Boy, and LaRue. You got one more slot left. Ugh, this is tough. I'm going to have to throw it back. <sighs> hmm. So I know the band. It's going to be Daft Punk vinyl, but it's between Discovery and Human After All. They're both incredible albums, masterpieces in their own right. I think I'd have to say Human After All. Um, <laughs> no, I'm... I'm you're on the seesaw uh, think, right now. I'm saying even after all, but what I'm really thinking is random access memory. So random access memories and discovery. I love both of them. Discovery opened my eyes to what electronic dance music could be and what Daft Punk was and this entire new world of music that I hadn't heard before. It wasn't something that um, was like anything else I had heard on the radio when it came out. But the timelessness of Random Access Memories and this is organic dance album done without any computers. They had the best people in the business. Niall Rogers, Giorgio Moroder, Panda Bear, these incredible Pharrell, just the pinnacle of of music stardom help them craft an amazing dance album without the use of computers just shows you how influential how prolific daft punk is they started off as two guys in their room making fun computer music not even being in a real studio and they are true musicians whenever anyone says that electronic music isn't real music or that those people aren't talented i tell them take a listen to any daft punk album and tell me that these guys aren't talented and that they don't know um music but they're not musicians and when people say oh well can they do it without computers the answer is yes they can do it without computers and it was just as good if not better it won grammy of the year problem of the year it's again one of those albums where you can listen to every single song back to back without skipping one every single one is different but it's still cohesive it still tells this beautiful story i mean they're definitely going to be one of my most popular and favorite uh, acts of all time all right, great. So to recap, we have Fleetwood Mac, Kavinsky, Fallout Boy, LaRue, and Daft Punk. So after hearing those, one thing that I'll comment is I definitely see and hear the spectrum of pop music and electronic influence on that pop music that you've had in your top five. And then the other thing is I end the podcast where I feature your interview with that question and your answer. And I think it's really cool I mean, maybe it's just me, but I would think that for a listener who says this artist is cool and I like their music, it's really telling to listen to someone's top five and hear what they appreciate, what they think is timeless, because that's part of a vinyl record. And I think there's a little bit of influence in there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in your top five. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Duo, the last thing that I need from you is the sign off, which I'll feature in the episode as well. All you have to say is some variation of I'm Duo. Thanks for listening to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast where everyone eats. Sure, sure. This is Duo, and thanks for listening to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast where everybody eats. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in, fans of Mom Spaghetti and Duo alike. New episodes of Mom Spaghetti drop every Thursday, so I'll be back then. As for Duo, we'll keep our eyes and ears open for more singles and remixes to get us through the rest of 2019. Until then, we'll be playing Duo's pop anthems all summer long. I'm Keith Cohen, your host of the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. One more huge shout-out and thank you to Duo, and of course to you, the listeners. 